Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special topical study of the Holy Spirit, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, If you're new to our fellowship, we are... Um, a verse-by-verse Bible teaching church. We are usually going through a book, verse-by-verse, line upon line. Somebody say amen. And, uh, but we're taking a little break from that, and we're teaching a series of studies on life in the Spirit. We want to know what the Bible has to say about the Spirit of God and His active role in our lives as believers. And so uh, we're studying the gifts of the Spirit as well. And then we will get back to our verse-by-verse study in a book of which I will tell you at a later date. And, uh, but for now, we are studying life in the Spirit. Listen, if you will, to some quotes. Let me have your attention. Some quotes by some well-known people, some alive and some dead, but godly people, and their understanding of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. John Stott said this, there is no need for us to wait as the 120 had to wait for the Spirit to come. For the Holy Spirit did did come on the day of Pentecost and has never left his church. Our responsibility is to humble ourselves under his mighty authority and to determine not to quench him, but allow him his freedom. For then our churches will then manifest those marks of the Spirit's presence. A.W. Tozer said this, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is not an enthusiasm. He is not in, not in courage. He's not courage. He's not an energy. He's not the personification of all good qualities like Jack Frost, the personification of cold weather. Actually, the Holy Spirit is not the personification of anything. He is a person, the same as you are a person, but not material substance. He has individuality. He is one being and not another. He has will and intelligence. He has hearing. He has knowledge. He has sympathy and ability to love and see and think. He can hear, speak, desire, be grieved, and rejoice. He is a person. An unknown author said this, When the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, it wasn't dynamite. It was dynamo. Dynamite makes a loud noise and kicks up a lot of dust, and it's over. Dynamo is a continual source of power. It builds and builds and builds and builds, and the power never stops flowing. I like that. So far, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit as found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've talked about the word of wisdom. Who's been with me in, in, in our gifts on, on the Spirit? Who's been with me? That's a good number of you. Then you know that we so far we've covered the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, and the gift of healing. And today we'll cover two more gifts, the working of miracles, and prophecy. I've titled this sermon, The Holy Spirit and the Gifts, Part 4. We pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, saints, and we'll pick up in verse 4. 
If you're looking at verse 4, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, if you're looking at verse 4, I need you to say a hearty amen. And there were diversities of gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same, who saints? Uh, y'all reading the same Bible I am? There are diversities of gifts, but who saints? Same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom. We've covered that through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. We've covered that. To another, faith by the same Spirit. We've covered that. To another, the gifts of healing. We've covered that by the same Spirit. And to another, this morning, the working of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, discerning of spirits, and to another, different kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. If you've been with us, you know that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit can be found in three places in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12. Look at verse 4 in chapter 12. Verse 4, they, we talked about there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. In verse 5, there are diversities of ministry, but the same Lord. In verse 6, there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. In other words, I may possess a certain gift, and you may possess the same gift. Are you listening? I may possess a certain gift and you may possess the same gift and yet that gift operates differently in my life than in your life. And even though the gifts operate differently, it's the same spirit, same Lord, same God doing the work through the gifts. I remember some time ago, um, I received a phone call. Let me have your attention. Look at me. I, I, I received a phone call and I don't, uh, I don't answer the phone very much here at Calvary Chapel. And uh, this one day the phone rang and I, I answered the phone and um, the lady said, uh, Pastor Rodney? And she obviously knew my voice from the radio. She goes, Pastor Rodney? I said, yeah. She goes, what are you doing answering the phone? <laughs> I said, I work here. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, she said, and then she goes, she says to me, she goes, you know, I, I just had a question. She said, are you, talking about the church, a spirit-filled church, she said. And I said, absolutely. And I knew what she meant when she said, are you a spirit-filled church? What she meant was, do you guys believe in speaking in tongues? Do you guys believe in more of the demonstrative gifts like speaking in tongues or the interpretation of tongues or someone standing up saying, thus says the Lord, do you believe in that? Now, let me just say here, I would agree somehow, somewhere, many churches do not allow the spirit of God to move. A lot of churches in America are not spirit filled. It was on the day of Pentecost that the spirit descended on the church in a blaze of fire. And many would ask today, where is that blaze? Where is that glory? Where is that power? It seems the average church today is bogged down somewhere between Calvary and Pentecost. They've been to Calvary for pardon, but haven't been to Pentecost for power. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. They've been to Calvary for pardon, but haven't been to Pentecost for power. It was D.L. Moody who said this. You might as well try to hear without ears or breathe without lungs as to try to live a Christian life without the gifts of the Spirit and the Spirit of God in your heart. I like that. 
God has always wanted his church to be charismatic. Somebody say amen. The word charismatic means gifted. God has always wanted his church to be gifted. God has always wanted his church to be spirit-filled. I've told you being spirit-filled is not a title. It's a condition. If you don't have that written down, write it down. It's not a title. It's a condition. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5.18 that we as Christians are to be being filled by the Holy Spirit. A church that is not spirit-filled, a church without the gifts operating in a balanced way is a powerless, handicapped, impotent church. And that's why God gives the gifts, so that we can walk in power and authority, so that we can be a complete body with all of its members. Well, be that as it may, the first gift we want to talk about today is the working of miracles. Got a pen? The working of miracles, here's a definition for you. The working of miracles is when the Holy Spirit overrides the natural laws as we know them and does what is humanly impossible. The working of miracles is when the Holy Spirit overrides the natural laws and as we know them and does what is humanly impossible. The working of miracles is not some far-fetched idea that was made up by man. The working of miracles is a gift of the Holy Spirit for the body of Christ today. And when the Lord does miracles, it catches the attention of both the saved and the unsaved. Now listen, I could keep you here all afternoon discussing, talking, pointing out to you all the places in the Bible where we see miracles. Well, I could keep you here all day. Um, you can't think of miracles, although, and not think of the book of Exodus. You know the story, don't you? Moses in Egypt doing signs and wonders and miracles to prove to Pharaoh that God sent him and told him, let my people go. You remember. And he threw down his rod and the rod became a serpent. Exodus chapter 7, Moses uh, took that rod and struck the water and the water turned to anybody know? Anybody know? The water turned to what? Blood. You know that. And then, then he called forth frogs from the river and there were frogs everywhere. Frogs in the house. Frogs in the bed. Uh, frogs jumping out the microwave. Frogs. Uh, there was, well, the Bible says ovens. We say microwave, all right? Uh, frogs jumping out the microwave. Frogs in bowls. And then God told Moses to take his rod and hit the dirt, and the dirt would become lice. And then after the tenth and final plague, the death of the firstborn in Egypt, Pharaoh decided to let the people go. But think about that. The death of the firstborn, I'm thinking about this yesterday. The death of the firstborn in Egypt, the firstborn, including animals, humans and animals. Maybe the firstborn was a grown man at 40 years old or four years old. There could have been a guy in jail and he was a firstborn. He died. The Lord struck all the firstborn in Egypt, including Pharaoh's son. Finally, Pharaoh said, go and serve the Lord. As they're leaving Egypt, Pharaoh changed his mind and his army was in hot pursuit of Israel to bring them back. They come to the Red Sea. You know the story, don't you? They come to the Red Sea and they're caught between a rock and a hard place because on the right is Mount Piahireth and on the left is Mount Migdal and the Red Sea is in front of them and there's no place to go but forward. They get to the Red Sea and Charlton has and holds out his rod over the waters. Amen. Forever be that way. Charlton Heston holds his rod up over the waters 
and the waters part and they go through on dry land and they reach the other side and Pharaoh's army chased them into the water and they drowned in the Red Sea. I like to say it like that. Somebody should make a movie out of this. Amen. Well, amen. <laughs> when the children of Israel reached the other side, you know, they sang the song of Moses. Exodus 15, look it up for yourself. They sang the song of Moses. The Lord has triumphed gloriously. Now keep in mind, the people never saw the movie or read the Bible. And they don't know that God is going to deliver them and everything's going to be okay. They got to follow God and march forward by faith and trust that God is going to do a miracle. And it was a miracle. Now, there are some so-called, listen to me, there are some so-called theologians who say that the waters that they came to was not the Red Sea, but the Reed Sea. And in the area of the Reed Sea, the water was only a one and a half inch deep. And at the moment that the people of Israel got to the Reed Sea, somehow the wind blew at that very moment and, and, and Israel crossed over on dry ground. Well, listen, let's just say that's true. If that be true, then it was a greater miracle because that means that Pharaoh and his army drowned in one and a half inches of water. Somebody clap your hands and say, that's right. That's got to be right. So we're talking about miracles. They cross the Red Sea. They enter the wilderness of sin. And God continues to do miracles. You know the story. Manna from heaven, water from a rock. The people march around the walls of Jericho seven times. And on the seventh time, they were to shout. And the walls came a-tumbling down. Joshua 24. Uh, Joshua tells us of the 24-hour-long day. When the sun stood still, and who can forget Gideon fighting thousands of Midianites with 300 men? The odds are 450 to 1. That means every Israeli had to kill 450 Midianites for victory. You know, Israel prevailed, and that was a miracle. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he killed a lion with his bare hands and literally brought the house down on the Philistines with supernatural strength. And then who can forget the tag team preaching of Elisha and Elijah? These boys were miracle maniacs. Elijah prayed for rain to stop and James 5, 17 tells us it didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed that the rain would begin again. And it did. Elijah on Mount Carmel with the 450 prophets of Baal. We're talking about miracles. They're calling down fire from heaven and their God isn't answering. And Elijah, he was a jokester. He, he starts laughing at them and he's mocking their God. And he said, hey, maybe your God's asleep or maybe your God, small g, is using the bathroom. Now, some of your Bible says pursuing. In, maybe your God is pursuing. That means using the bathroom. And then Elijah calls on the one, the only, the true God. Somebody say amen. Fire comes down from the sky and consumes the sacrifice. It was miraculous. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus did miracle after miracle after miracle. Listen, he was born of a virgin, a miracle, changed water to wine, many healings, fed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch, restored withered hands, hushed the sea to sleep, raised the dead, walked on water, cast out demons, gave sight to the blind, cleansed the leopards, ascended into heaven, and on and on and on the miracles of Jesus. And he told his followers that they would go out and do the same in Matthew 10, 6 through 8. 
Jesus said to his disciples, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go preaching, saying the kingdom of heaven is in hand, heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead and cast out demons. Freely you have received. Somebody say it with me. Freely you give. Remember Luke 10, after a successful short missions trip, the 70 came back rejoicing because they could do miracles. And Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather, somebody read it with me, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Listen, it's important that we do not find ourselves rejoicing in miracles because miracles are wonderful. But miracles don't save people. God saves people. Miracles don't save. God saves people. Let's not find ourselves rejoicing over miracles. And I hear so much talk about people who ask, you know, well, why don't we get back? I wish we would get back to the early church and the miracles that they did in the early church. Or people would say, why don't we see those miracles like they did in the book of Acts? Or people would say, we need to get back to the book of Acts so we could see the miracles. Listen, if you take the time to study the book of Acts, the book of Acts, got a pen? The book of Acts is written over a 30-year period. So over a 30-year period, if you take your time to do the math, you add up all the miracles in the book of Acts, you'll find 30, some say about 40 miracles recorded in the book of Acts. 30 or 40 miracles over a 30-year period is approximately one, one and a half miracles a year. Well, that's not a lot. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe, and, and maybe I can get a witness of two people in here. Maybe I, I believe that we serve a miracle-working God. Am I right about it? We serve a God of miracles. And God will use you to perform a miracle when God wants a miracle done. And I have to be honest and say it seems for some television ministries that God chooses to do miracles every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And people are coming in their wheelchairs and their walkers and they get blown over and they get hands laid on and punched and spit on and be healed in Jesus' name, be healed. You got to say it like that. Be healed. If you say it like that, then something happens. And they go out many times the same way they came in. Because it is God who chooses to heal when God chooses to heal, how God chooses to heal. We talked about healing last week. And don't you understand, when you take Motrin, God, that is God healing you. If that Motrin works, that means that God is healing you because that Motrin doesn't have to work. That's God at work. Or if you are supernaturally healed and you say, Lord, listen, God can heal a headache as easy as he can cure cancer in your body. There's nothing too hard for God. There's nothing too hard for God. So all healing is from God. We established that last week. And one last thing I want to tell you about miracles, and then we'll move forward. Listen, it is important to note, and study your scriptures, you'll see. It's important to note the context of miracles in the Bible. A miracle in the Bible usually occurs, watch this, when God wants your attention. 
God had to get the attention of the pharaohs and the result was miracles. When religion and faith in God and the word of God was rare, God worked miracles through Elijah and Elisha. When Jesus was born, God was saying to the world, I'm here, I'm alive. When the disciples did miracles in the book of Acts, God said, I'm still alive. In Paul's ministry to the Gentiles, God didn't, uh, the Gentiles didn't know Jesus. And God said to the world, hey, my name is Jesus and I died for you. God always used miracles to get your attention and to make a bold statement. Miracles are God is a God of miracles. And many of you are a, a, a testimony of just that. Many of you. I, I was telling them second service because I know this to be a miracle. I was telling them second service. Our children's ministry leader, Tiffany Edwards, you, you know, y'all know, you, know where I'm going, don't you? First time Tiffany and Pastor Ted came to Calvary Chapel was on a Wednesday night. And I was teaching and I remember them rolling in that door. She was in one of those um, wheelchair beds. She was kind of in like a recumbent position. And she had just had a horrible, horrible, life-threatening accident. And she had come through and come through and come through, finally to the point where she was able to, you know, go to church. She wanted to go to church. The first time I ever met them, she came through that door. They sat over there. God told me from the pulpit, God told me to pray for them after service. I didn't know them. I had never met them. God told me to pray for them. And do you know from that point on, God began to heal her, heal her, and heal her, and restore her. And to this day, she is the children's ministry director, and her husband is pastor over the children's ministry here at Calvary Chapel. That is a miracle. That is the healing hand of God. And many of you have liked stories. Tell people about your miracle. Tell people because that is your testimony. And the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of a lamb and the word of our testimony. And don't let the devil steal your testimony. Don't let the devil steal your testimony. Don't let the enemy push you and crowd you and squeeze you into its mold so that you don't talk about Jesus in the workplace. But they can talk about everything else, but you can't talk about Jesus. Where y'all at? Y'all need to say amen. You, you can talk about everything else, but you can't talk about Jesus. Oh, no, we don't talk about Jesus. Oh, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, well, you know, we went to the top of the mountain and sat in the lotus position and studied our navel. Really? Wow. Tell me, what'd you find? Lent. Talk about Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't talk about Jesus now. Everybody gets offended. Have you noticed it gets this weird vibe in the room when you start talking about Jesus? That's because the enemy wants you to suppress your testimony because there is power in the name of Jesus. Y'all not hearing me. There is power in the name of Jesus. That's why I say no one you talk about. That's why everybody gets all upset. Don't let the devil steal your testimony. Whatever God has done in your life. Listen, for me, God delivered me from drugs just like that. Nine years old, I started using drugs. All the way through junior high and high school, I was a certified drug addict. I had gone to NAAA. 
triple A, and every other A. I've been to them all, and none of them could help me. But when Jesus came into my life, he took drugs out of my life just like that. That was 30-some years ago. Haven't looked back since. And I'll keep telling people that. I told you a thousand times, and I'll tell you a thousand one. God set me free. God delivered me. Your testimony is all you got. Don't let the Satan pull, steal your testimony. Don't let any enemy pull, steal your testimony. Tell people of the goodness of the Lord because we do serve a God who is able to do things that no other God can do. He is the God of all gods. That's all I say about miracles. Let's move forward. Look at verse 10 to another prophecy. Got your pen? The gift of prophecy is an anointing that is from God. And like the word of wisdom, the gift of prophecy isn't a vast reservoir of super spiritual knowledge that you can draw on anytime you want. The gift of prophecy will come upon a person to give a message to a nation or a people about a given situation. Now listen, saints, this is Christianity 101 stuff here. Prophets in the Old Testament are different than prophets in the New Testament. If you don't know that, please write that down because you'll get confused. You, you won't understand. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.